Imagine living your life after 50 and feeling energized and excited about your future. Welcome to the Women in the Middle podcast, the podcast for women who are ready to figure out what they want and create the life they deserve. Here's your host and master certified life coach, Susie Rosenstein. Hey there, welcome back to the podcast, Women in the Middle. I'm your host, Susie Rosenstein, and I am so glad to be here with you again for this week's episode, which is all about something that most of my clients want, what many of my clients complain about not having, and what many women in the middle see as super elusive. What I'm talking about is passion, my friend, and I don't mean being passionate in bed. I'm talking about what the Urban Dictionary defines as when you put more energy into something than is required to do it. It is more than just enthusiasm or excitement. Passion is ambition that is materialized into action to put as much heart, mind, body, and soul into something as is possible. What do you think of this definition? I love it. Now, I've touched on passion, on this passion topic before. Way back in episodes 13 and 14, I talked to you about how my passion and obsession with beads and wire actually got me listed as an artist in the Museum of Modern Art. Yes, MoMA, that MoMA. (laughs) So if you want to hear that crazy story, you'll have to check them out. Those podcasts, I'll list them in the show notes. Basically, something I made with my own little hands was purchased and included in a four-month exhibit last year called Items is Fashion Modern. I make beaded wire kippahs for Jewish women, and I have a little tiny teeny-weeny Etsy store online, and somehow the curators at MoMA found my work and decided to include it in this amazing and high-profile exhibit, and it's just the craziest thing ever, but it happened. For sure, I couldn't have seen this coming, and it serves as a reminder to remember to think thoughts about anything being possible, because anything really is possible. (laughs) Now, it's really hard to imagine things that are big and out of the ordinary as possible, But this experience really does serve as that important reminder for me. Anything is possible. Anything, my friend, is possible. So please don't squish your dreams. With that said, I want to talk to you a bit more about passion because it comes up so often with women in the middle. Well, not passion exactly, but lack thereof. Now, let's review this definition again. I really want you to get your head around it. It's more than just enthusiasm or excitement. Passion is ambition that is materialized into action to put as much heart, mind, body, and soul into something as is possible. Now, why do you think that women our age aren't sure about what they're passionate about? I think the answer is centered on two main things. First, I think that women in the middle aren't used to putting themselves first. They're out of practice. They are quite comfortable, however, taking care of everyone else's needs way ahead of their own. And then before you know it, 20 years goes by and poof, 
completely out of practice. Just think about how your muscles get out of um, tone when you don't keep working out. It's like that. We have been so out of practice for so long. So much so that it feels indulgent sometimes to actually focus on what you love, what you like, what you want. Now, the other reason I think that this whole passion thing seems elusive is that many women in the middle are trying too hard to find this magical, mystical thing that they wish they had in their lives. Now, the reason I think this is, is because of a super powerful worksheet that I've developed and use with my clients. Basically, I use the worksheet as a tool to find joy. What I mean is, I work with the client to think back to different chapters in her life, starting from a really young age. Now, I don't care how the chapters are defined as long as they are meaningful to my client. Most will just use chapter titles that are chronological or related to school and major life events like graduations, marriage, when you had your first kid. But I like my clients to go way back to elementary school or before that if they have many memories and even junior high, just to think about joy. And like I said, this is different. We're not looking for traumatic events. We're not looking for crazy bad stuff that happened to you and you probably went to therapy for. We're looking for joy. Puts a whole new spin on things. So samples of what brought you joy. It could be making mud pies. It could be the way your grandfather made you breakfast when you were visiting from out of town. It could be a family camping trip when you went to Assateague Island where you saw some wild horses. It could be winning the national championship in a marching band competition. It could be the pride you felt when you graduated. Or maybe the first garden that you planted yourself. Or the first car that you paid for yourself. For me, one of the things that brought me unbelievable amount of joy was my first whale watch. It was in 1985 in Kennebunkport, Maine, on a day off from the camp where I was working for that summer. Now, I'd always been attracted to the ocean and boats and nature, and I was a little too fearful to take up scuba diving, but when I saw signs to go whale watching, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I'd never been to Maine before. I had never heard of anyone talking about going whale watching. This was in the 80s. It wasn't, you know, I I never heard of it before. Yet the signs, the physical signs on the streets were everywhere. I got a few of my friends interested in joining me and away we went. It was the most amazing day. We saw a lot of finback whales. We saw dolphins. I was completely hooked. I saw a dolphin jump clear out of the water about six feet into the air and I actually caught it on film, on my little pocket film camera. (laughs) I couldn't wait to do more of it. Thus, one of my passions was born. I made sure to go whale watching every summer if I could. I tried hard to plan vacations and road trips to coincide with whale migration. I learned everything I could about whales in this part of the world, the part of the world that I had easy access to. Cape Cod and that area became a hangout for me, which wasn't that difficult to get to because I had family in Connecticut and Rhode Island. But when I started making money after grad school, when I got my first job and everything, I started to take vacations to see whales in other places. I had a little money, I could afford it. 
First, I went to Vancouver Island to see the orcas. That was my first Zodiac boat trip. That was the first time that I had seen toothed whales, whales with teeth other than baleen, other than the dolphins that I'd seen on the East Coast. Like I said, it was my first Zodiac trip. So that really is the best way to get up close and personal, to get in a little tiny boat. That is, if you didn't have enough nerve to get in a kayak or to go diving, which I did not. I mean, I like to kayak, but I don't know, that kind of thing with whales made me a little uncomfortable. (laughs) And I'm afraid of scuba, even though my whole family enjoys it. Anyway, I knew I needed to do more of this small boat action because I, I don't know, like you're just so close to nature. I loved it. So in the very early 90s, I discovered Baja, California, which is really in Mexico. I learned all about the gray whale migration, which is the longest migration of any mammal in the world, all the way down the coast from the Bering Strait. In fact, they travel 10,000 to 12,000 miles round trip every year between the winter calving lagoons in the warm waters of Mexico, this Baja area, and the summer feeding grounds in the cold Arctic seas, like I mentioned, the Bering Strait. Now, I read everything I could, and that's why I discovered something called a friendly encounter. Apparently, even though there had been intensive whaling that drastically reduced gray whale numbers, they were still quite curious and trusting of people. That's why they call it this friendly encounter. Now, according to the World Wildlife Fund website, of the original three gray whale populations in the world, one in the North Atlantic is extinct. One is critically endangered. That one's in the Western North Pacific, with as few as 150 individuals remaining. And one has recovered from very, very low levels in the Eastern North Pacific. And that's, those are the gray whales that I've seen in Baja. And they were actually removed from the U.S. endangered species list in the early 90s. Like I said, this is the population that you can see in Baja. Now, from what I could tell, the friendly encounter, at least from the brochure I was looking at, (laughs) looked like an actual friendly encounter. This was before I had internet. Um, It was before we had like computers and Wi-Fi in the house. It was the early 90s. And so I, you know, got very excited about this. I I sent, um, I got on a mailing list and they sent me a brochure. Like, you know, I really had to make a big effort to find where I could learn more about gray whales. And so from everything I read, and then I found this company called Baja Expeditions that actually took you to places like this. Unbelievable. Like the internet has made research so much easier. Anyway, like I said, there was, they kept talking about this thing called a friendly encounter with gray whales. I hadn't seen that language used with other whales. And I decided I, I really needed to go and see this for myself. Now, at this time, paying for this trip was a huge stretch. It was also going to what looked like a really remote camp in a place called San Ignacio Lagoon, which was about halfway up the coast of Baja, but on a little island. Now, I had never done anything like this before. I was absolutely new to adventure travel. And in fact, adventure travel has also become much more accessible in the last couple of decades. But the possibility of having a friendly encounter with a gray whale had me absolutely giddy with joy. Like even thinking about it, I would get teary. So I booked it. It was 1992. 
I went with a company called Baja Expeditions, and they're still around. So I highly recommend you check them out if this is of all uh, of any interest to you. It was an expedition, all right. We were clearly in the middle of nowhere. It was not like Cabo with resorts or anything. I remember sitting like on a bench (laughs) and we landed on this dirt strip in the middle of the desert. Like we really, it just felt totally like the middle of nowhere. There were long, bumpy van rides then, and several hours, and then a boat ride, a half-hour boat ride to a teeny little island where we camped for five days. Now, it did feel kind of luxurious because I didn't have to set up a tent and the food was made. There was a mess tent. The food was fantastic. Now, the weather didn't cooperate completely, so we didn't get um, four days of whale watching, but we were able to enjoy three full days of whale watching in these tiny, small wooden boats called skiffs. And the boats were about 20 feet long. So I remember there being maybe seven people in the boat, five people, seven people. I can't remember exactly. All I can say is that it really was a trip of a lifetime. I saw dozens and dozens of gray whales and their calves. They were just born. Several whales came over to our tiny boat Some rubbed their barnacles and whale lice off. They were like scratching on the bottom of the boat, gently turning the boat around as they scratched. One of the guides leaned over and plucked some of this whale lice, which looked like little crabs, off. And I remember we put it in a little film canister. Back then, no digital cameras. And um, just so we could look at it, right? Just to look at what this little whale lice looked like. It was unbelievable. Just we were right there with the whales, but nothing compared to coming eye to eye with one of the females. She was just massive and so gorgeous. Like they're about 40 feet long, these whales. And she was under the boat rubbing and then slowly rolled so that her eye was just about six or eight inches under the water. I was leaning over the edge of the tiny boat and she was looking at me. And I was looking at her. Our eyes were only about a foot apart, eyeball to eyeball. Her eye was about the size of my head. (laughs) But there we were just looking at each other. And then something amazing happened, something that I did not expect. She blinked. I don't know why it surprised me so much that she blinked. I mean, she is a mammal, but it, it totally surprised me. I felt so connected to her. I was completely awestruck and immediately burst into tears as I felt so much emotion, I could barely take it all in. Actually, I'm getting a little choked up just talking about it. It was clearly the most spiritual thing that has ever happened to me. There was so much about that trip that was amazing for me. Seeing the huge range of whale behavior up close and personal, that was something else. We saw over a hundred spy hops in a 30 minute period. A spy hop is when the whale pops his or her head up high into the air, but doesn't breach. It's not a jump. They're not like hurling their bodies out of the water with a giant splash. They just pop up. But because they're so freaking long, (laughs) they pop up really high. And what we saw was crazy. I remember everybody on our boat, we were counting them. And we counted over 100. There may have even been 130. I don't remember. But it was all within like a 30-minute period. We were surrounded by whales popping their heads up high into the air. 
And the other thing I saw on that trip that just floored me was that the whales actually had whiskers. Now, again, it shouldn't be a surprise because they're mammals, but I didn't expect it. It's something that you don't see unless you are that close. Their, their noses or the front part of the whale, their head actually looked a bit like a pickle. You know how there's little dimples in a pickle? And these long hairs that were maybe, I don't know, three, four inches long sticking out kind of reminded me of my chin hair. <laughs> Back then, I don't think I had the chin hair. That was way before menopause. Anyway, I, um, I just will never forget this trip. It was the first time I had taken an adventurous trip like this on my own. And it was the first time I'd done like official adventure travel in a group-led excursion. I loved it. I loved that I didn't have to do all the hard work by myself. <laughs> like, like I said, there were no setting up tents. It was really scary to go to the bathroom because you had to walk a fair bit to the, um, I don't know what they call it. Like it was a tent with a porta potty, not a porta potty, but like a, a hole. <laughs> I guess it was kind of like a porta potty. It was a toilet seat on a box. <laughs> and I remember when I walked out there because I was alone, I heard coyotes and I just about freaked out. I mean, I did freak out. Forget the just about. <laughs> anyway, I absolutely loved this trip. Now, the reason I'm telling you about all of this is because this was the beginning of a passion. It started out in a gentle way. I noticed a sign in Kennebunkport in the mid 80s. I went on a three-hour tour to see whales in Maine. I was compelled to do more of it, to learn more, to see more. There was something about it I liked. I did not have the perspective of what it was yet, but I knew I needed more of it in my life. Eventually, I got a good camera, and whale watching became the most perfect combination of things that I love doing. I grew to absolutely love photography and whales. The more I learned about whale behavior, the more I could anticipate it, and the better my pictures became. I knew when they were going to breathe. I knew when they were going to dive. I got to understand the behavior, and I could anticipate so that my shots were uh, more planned, right? More intentional. And I got beautiful uh, shots of whales over the years. I've been on dozens of whale watches. I've seen all kinds of whales. And it is just such a joy. I mean, recently, a couple of years ago, I found a whale watch in the San Diego, LA area um, on a catamaran, Captain Dave. And Captain Dave has some plexiglass in the bottom of the catamaran. So, I mean, that's just something that's unbelievable if you can even imagine seeing nature that way. Now, it is, I didn't see any, I just saw bubbles when I was down there, but. <laughs> But I will be on that whale watch again for sure. So like I said, I love being on the water. And I love being outside with animals doing their thing. And I loved having a well-trained guide teaching while we were watching. And now I love sharing my love of whales with my family. And it took me some time to get the perspective of what it was about whale watching that turned me on like this. This is why I want you to take another look at that definition of passion. Passion is more than just enthusiasm or excitement. Passion is ambition that is materialized into action to put as much heart, mind, body, and soul into something as possible. Whale watching is passion for me. 
I love finding ways to incorporate it into my life. I love the way I feel when I spend time doing it, even if it's only for a few hours every year or two. Now, I've been on dozens and dozens of whale watches, dozens of times, and I can't wait to go on many more. In fact, you will not be surprised when you see me organizing a retreat soon that combines my other love, coaching amazing midlife women, with whale watching. Talk about taking a deep dive, right? So please email me at info at if this is something you would be interested in doing. Okay, now, as I was sharing my story, what came up for you? Please don't squish it down. What popped into your brain? What image did you see of something you love? I've been working with clients recently on this topic because, as I said, it comes up a lot. Many people have difficulty finding that thing they love. So I've come up with another worksheet and strategy to help you take a deep dive into your brain when it comes to what you're passionate about. The trick with this strategy is to be quick. No time for drama. No time to talk yourself out of having the idea that you might like to focus more on whatever it is. No time for you to think that it's too indulgent, too expensive, too hard to incorporate into your already busy life. So here we go. I'd like to ask you some of the questions I ask my clients when they are in pursuit of their passion. I like to call this regret-proofing your passion. Remember, it's fast. No fuss, no muss. Just write down or just allow the thought that immediately pops into your mind and look for it, okay? Here we go. What brings you joy? What do you really love? Passions, interests, things you're always excited about. What do you always find time to do? What did you love to do as a kid? Again, allow the image. Take note of it. Don't question it. Just let it in. What do you really want? What are you good at? Gifts, talents, skills, things you're always known for and have confidence with. I want to give you an example of that one. One of the women in my group, my free Facebook group, said recently, baking. And I thought that was awesome. She's known for baking. She loves baking. It's not that she works. She doesn't have a job that involves baking. But it's something she is known for and enjoys. That's a passion. Okay, here we're going to keep going. How could you have more fun in your day? Moving on. What is missing from your life? Just allow the thought. What advice would your future self, imagine yourself 10 years from now, give you now about this topic? Let her speak. What do you love to do when you have some downtime? You might find yourself with an afternoon with nothing to do, maybe an empty weekend. What do you love to do in situations like that? All right, here's a question I love to think about. If you won the lottery, what would you do? Let that idea in. What's your dream vacation? Again, if money is no object and you had all the time in the world, where would you go? What do you wish you had more time to do? Right? What do you always think you just never have enough time to do? What do you want more time to do? What do you want to share with your kids? What, do you, what experience do you want to make sure that they have? What do you love to take pictures of? 
What do you love to buy? What do you want to learn more about, either formally or informally? And last but not least, what do you have on your Pinterest boards? (laughs) Okay, now, what patterns and themes do you see? What were the images that were popping into your brain? It's as simple as that. This little exercise will tell you something about what you're passionate about. Do you see a food or cooking theme? What about travel? Is there a theme to the type of travel you like, or do you just see travel as a theme? What about nature, animals, plants, flowers, science, reading, crafts, sewing, weaving, needlepoint, paint, calligraphy? What is coming up for you? What passions popped in? Do you love dogs? Do you love elephants? Do you love whales? Those are some of the things I love. (laughs) Do you love gardening? As you probably know from listening to this podcast, regret proofing starts with awareness. And this little worksheet, these questions, this exercise just helped you with that. So my friend, my amazing woman in the middle, what are you going to do about this now? How are you going to bring more of this thing that you gravitate toward into your life? Now, notice I didn't ask you if you were going to do it. Assume that you will. Now what? Be creative. You can learn. You can read. You can experience. Get creative with thinking about welcoming more of whatever it is into your life. And this is where I think the passion rubber hits the road. Now we're talking about commitment. Commitment to yourself to do what you love, to make room for what you want more of in your life, to allow yourself to experience more joy. Why? Because you want to, because it's good for your soul, because no one has your back the way you can have your back, my friend. And as a midlife gal, you have a bit more wiggle room now. You can practice thinking about how to create more of this space for yourself now that you're older and wiser, of course. (laughs) That's it for this episode. I hope you're pretty jazzed about getting a little more passion into your life. You are so worth it. If you like what you've heard, just head over to the Women in the Middle podcast on iTunes and leave me a review. Check out the show notes with more information and links at www.susierosenstein.com. Now, I have to tell you, this whole passion topic is one of the main things that inspired me to create this amazing new year-long coaching experience for you called the 50 Unplugged Mastermind. It's exactly what you're looking for when you really believe that you're older and wiser and ready to finally put your own needs on the priority list for a change. It's all about celebrating opportunity. So when you have an idea pop into your head, you don't close it down right away. You work on your perspective on what you're thinking. And it's about unplugging you from the stereotypes about what you can't do because of your age and confidently focusing on what you can do regardless of how old you are. It's about possibility and growth, excitement and freedom. How great is that? And the best part, I'm so excited about this. You get to be part of an amazing community of women who want the same thing. Learn more about this unique and totally fun year-long coaching experience for women who are turning 50 in their 50s or are (laughs) 50-ish and are committed to getting excited about their lives again. You have waited long enough. 
Seriously, it is time to celebrate opportunity in your 50 unplugged life. It's your time. So go ahead and apply already. Just go to www.talktosuzie.com and book your 10-minute call to see if we're a good fit. This phone call is free with no obligation, so don't miss out. You have nothing to lose. You can really create that life you've always wanted, full of more passion and more fun. Don't waste another minute. Just get your application in already. I am waiting for it. I know that you should be applying. I'm looking for 10 amazing women to get this party started. There are limited spots and bonuses for signing up this month. I can't wait to see your name in my calendar. Let's do this, ladies. One amazing thought about what's possible at a time. Thanks so much for listening. 